Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, there's a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside. Hey, don't look now. The Cubs got a little better over the weekend. They signed Cody Bellinger to a pretty modest deal, all things considered. Talk about it with uh, Ben Fred, St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist. Good morning, Ben Fred. Hey, good morning, McGraw. How's it going? Good. What do you think of this Cubs, man? They, they've got a pretty good team together. Well, they, they bring back Bellinger, and uh, it's always one of those deals where, you know, is it, uh, is it, is it as big a news for, for the Cubs as they, as they hoped? Because he was obviously with them last year, and they didn't get to where they wanted to go. He goes to their free agency. Here's what's out there. He comes back. So they're kind of the same team, but maybe some of the young guys they have get a little bit better, and they have their center fielder back. Cody Bellinger was a lottery ticket for them when he um, showed up from the Dodgers. He hadn't played well. They took a bet on him being able to bounce back. Um, and, he, and he wasn't quite MVP level, um, which is what we saw, you know, him be before he fell off in L.A. But he was a solid player for the Cubs last season, and this will uh, this will help them out quite a bit. He hit 26 homers last year. He can play a very sound uh, center field. He was uh, a silver slugger last year. So this makes them a little more competitive. And I think for baseball fans in general, it makes them a little hopeful that the Scott Boris clients are going to start agreeing to new teams. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery on the starting pitching side remain out there in the wilderness waiting to, to pick which contract they're going to take um, as Scott Boris tries to get the most from these teams. It wasn't a huge deal for Cody. He's got opt-outs in it, um, but he's got to get to work now. And some of these guys, I think, are going to be itching, ready to ready to go play. Their peers are making starts at spring training, and they're wondering where they're going to move their families to this season. Yeah, yeah. Which which team is going to have a really bad uniform for them? They need to tune in and wait and <laughs> see what I, happens. I keep thinking that controversy is going to die down, but it seems to keep getting worse. And uh, what didn't help it was Team Picture Day, where all of them were uh, exposed in more ways than one um, with some of the pant problems. So, We'll see. I mean, the the players' union is coming out saying they want some they want this addressed before the games start to count, and they you know they're they're not just playing in spring training. We'll see if the league budges or if they issue some sort of uniform update. The problem is a lot of jerseys, a lot of pants, a lot of uh, a lot of work to get done if, for them to get it uh, before the season starts. The Cardinals don't even have their white editions of their uniforms yet at last uh, at the end of last week they've been playing all their spring training games in their gray uniforms because they don't have the other ones yet did you see was it the was it the arizona diamondbacks or what what team had the chico's bail bonds logo on it <laughs> see what i did there was that photoshop i made a i made a, I, I I made a bad news bears <laughs> joke there <laughs> i uh look if you can put a red uh Stop sign style quick trip or uh, what is it? Yeah, quick trip uh, logo on the Royals uniform. Then I think all bets are off when it comes to if you got the money. But I think some Cardinals fans who are feeling like they didn't like the, uh, the steeple additions to the Cardinals uniforms are thankful now that they're pretty understated. I mean, the only difference between Chico's bail bonds and Stiefel is that Stiefel pays more. <laughs> if Chico could 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 muster up some money, it would be on a Major League Baseball uniform. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I suppose it's a fair market. You know, if you got the cash, then uh, then, then I, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see which which who will be the first dispensary to put a big weed leaf on, uh, on put a big marijuana leaf on somebody's sleeve. That'll that'll get the people talking. Uh, what uh, what happened to your blues over the weekend? 
Well, they're kind of regressing back to the mean a little bit. Um, they lost five of their last seven games. Um, they uh, they haven't won multiple games in a row since uh, since kind of uh, mid mid February here, and they're kind of looking like the more, a little bit more like the team that we, we thought they would be. They're playing better, but uh, they're they're not exactly beating the drum that they're going to go soaring into the, the postseason. Um, that trade deadline is nearing, and when you've got a guy like Pavel Buchnevich, who's a really good player. He's got a on a you know a modest contract, and he's going out and having a hat trick. Um, it sure makes teams that are interested in in adding talent interested. So, I think Doug Armstrong McGraw is going to sit back and look at this and say, "Hey, this team's playing more competitively. There may be a case that Drew Bannister is the right guy to lead this team in the future." But I, but I think he's going to be realistic and forward looking at this trade deadline and and try to find deals that he can make to maybe add to the young core of this team, if, even if it means trading off a guy who's a little bit older, who's playing well. So we'll see which, he go, which way he goes. The Blues still have some time to try to, to try to swing things the other way. But uh, if, if you're trying to get him to stand down at the trade deadline, you got to do more than lose five times in seven games. Uh, Butch Navich, one of the great hockey names of all time, by the way. Yeah, there's some good ones. He, he's up there. Yeah. He's been a great addition for the Blues. Unfortunately, just hasn't worked out great around him. And they don't have to move him. That's the best spot to be in is they can keep him and he can be a part of this team moving forward. They love him, and he, he likes it here. He performs well. But if somebody's willing to pry him away from the Blues, I think you got to listen. Yeah. Do you see that um, Wake Forest-Duke game over the weekend where the fans stormed the field and a Duke player got hurt, and then there was another clip of a Duke player trying to trip one of the fans running out of the stadium, out of the stands? What a nightmare that is. Yeah, this is uh, becoming an issue, and it's probably the biggest talking point right now in college basketball. Of course, other than the winning streak for Nebraska's basketball team, that that's the number one story. Fred Hoiberg, man, the right mayor, now. the mayor's got him going on, baby. <laughs> Court storming, you know, it's it's always it's been debated for years. Is it safe? Should they stop it? Uh, so they, I've always kind of thought, look, I I think it's kind of part of the part of the game. Um, however, when you've got it done in ways where a guy like Kyle Filipowski, who's projected to be a top 10 draft pick, is getting injured because it happened so quickly at the game. Um, that, that can't happen. We, we, we saw Caitlin Clark, the, you know, the iconic player at Iowa, who's breaking scoring records left and right. She got uh, bumped by a court storming after a team beat, beat her, her Hawkeyes. And you got to get, get the players off the court before you have any of that stuff. So, it's not it's not exact you can do fines to the schools um that's not exactly going to stop it from happening in the moment it's an emotional type thing um you're gonna have a hard time probably sorting out who deserves punishment for actually going on the court one thing they they probably should try to do is find some sort of way where you can get the players off the court before you allow anything to come on whether that's more security or or potentially maybe just ask i don't know how to do it i don't everyone wants to say end it totally I don't know if you can do that. Um, kids are going to do what they do. Student sections are going to do what they do. You don't want to remove that energy from the sport, but you can't have your best players getting hurt in these scrums. you got to figure out a way to minimize the risk. No, uh, Missouri got fined, right, for the storming this sure. last fall, right? They got fined for the second time from the SEC. I mean, you're right. It's it's sort of a, a spontaneous celebration of people pouring out on the field, and it's been been done for 100 years. Um I don't know why now it's everyone's worried about getting hurt when we weren't worried about getting hurt years ago. I don't know. It's but it's a thing now. 
Yeah, I, I think there's just examples in in one year of two high-profile athletes getting caught up in the in the storming. And I mean, ideally, the the kids storming the court would be smart enough. You're not there to run into the opponents. You're there to <laughs> celebrate with your own teams. But I guess if the kids running down to the court were as athletic as the players on the court, they would be on the court, not in the stands watching them. But yeah. um, you know, there's got to be some common sense to it. I, I think there's I think there's ways to hopefully increase the safety of it without just removing it. I, I think the idea of it being this sterile thing where it's like pro sports where if you get on the court you're automatically arrested. I don't I don't love I don't love that idea. Um some if you ask folks who've, you know, gone to, to schools with big college programs, probably some of their fondest memories are from big wins in a sport where they rushed the field or got on the field or helped carry the goalposts and I don't think college wants to mandate all that stuff out, but you know, as we as we trend toward this era where these players are worth a ton of money and they're making a lot of money, and then it becomes liability issues. And the the idea was just finding the schools. That's fine; they can cut a check, but that's not going to stop the students. They're not they're not seeing their athletics uh, ticket dues raised because of that, or if they are, they don't notice. Um, finding something that you can you can just get more time. For, for the players to get in a position of safety, I think would be the way to go. But I, I'll be honest, I don't know how to solve that. Yeah. Do you remember, do you, do you remember the guy back in the 70s who would dress up as a player and then, like, do layups with the team and stuff? Remember that guy? <laughs> it just happened. Like, like, within the past month or so, someone, I think it was a uh, – I think it was like a – it was a division two game maybe, but it went viral. Some guy got a uniform on and jumped out there, um, kind of tried to sub into the game during the game. And they had to, <laughs> they had to walk him off the court. And it's like, what are we, people are, people are crazy, man. But uh, anything to get a little attention on the, uh, on the internet. Although I'll, I'll be honest, if, if someone did that for a Mizzou game this year, they might need to put him in and see if he can, <laughs> see if he can play some defense. Yeah. Well, that's like, the season's almost over. All right. Um, porthole opens up the day after selection Sunday, I guess. I didn't know that. So free agency comes to uh, college basketball early this year. All right, Ben, we'll leave it there. Have a good week. We'll talk to you on Friday. Okay. Sounds good. McGraw. Yeah. yeah.